Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyber Labs, and today we're going to talk about autonomous vehicles in Wisconsin. Yeah, that's right, Wisconsin actually is doing quite a bit around autonomous vehicles, but you wouldn't know it, so that's why we're here today. And to talk about it, we have uh, Peter Rafferty, Eric Nutt, and Rob Fisher with us from the Wisconsin AV Proving Ground. Plus, they have other gigs going on as well. So we get to hear about their backgrounds and other things they're working on and what's going on around autonomous vehicles in Wisconsin and maybe a little beyond. So, uh, guys, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. <laughs> All right. So, we got this is the this is a little nerve wracking. I've done like 120 interviews, and this is the first where I have more than one person. So, we're all in the same room, which is nice because they're based in a right outside of Masson in Fitchburg. Um, so, maybe let's do some uh, brief intros just so people know who you are and what you're doing. You don't have to get too detailed, but uh, <laughs> enough. Who wants to start? Peter, you want to? Sure, yeah. Hi, folks. I'm Peter Rafferty with uh, UW-Madison, and I'm a researcher within the College of Engineering there. And I've been there about 11 years and doing a variety of uh, research and development work in traffic operations and transportation systems. And since our designation as a proving grounds in January, I've been uh, trying to coordinate much of that effort as the uh, the momentum really continues to pick up. And, and what's uh, can you think of one project you worked on that is uh, interesting? Not interesting. Well, DW. <laughs> oh, oh, well, there, there are a whole variety okay. of things, yes, for sure. Uh, much of our work is for the Wisconsin DOT and some other states and regional uh, agencies, as well as the Federal Highway Administration. And uh, you know, so much of what we do in, in, involves more and more geospatial information and uh, uh, database and, and scripting. And it, it's just so data-driven these days, uh, whereas when I was a civil engineering student uh, 20 years ago or more, uh, it, it just was a very different world then. So more recently, we've been doing more work with connected vehicles in particular, vehicles talking to each other, vehicles talking to traffic signals and so forth. And that's part of the good groundwork that has been laid leading up to our work now at the, uh, where that intersects with automated okay. vehicles. And we can talk about that a little bit later, right? The we will. Switch. All right, good. All right. Uh, who wants to go next? Right. Uh, sure, I'll go. Uh, is, my name is Eric Nutt. Hi, everybody. Um, I am the CTO for Manly Communications, and basically uh, my day-to-day job is, uh, consists of uh, helping to be a part of the strategic planning for the company, uh, Manly Communications. Uh, I'm involved a lot with um, integrating different uh, vehicle technologies uh, into vehicle platforms. Um, we also uh, traditionally spend a lot of our time uh, and energy and money working for state DOTs. Uh, so Manly Communications has a long history of uh, data collection, data delivery uh, for state departments of transportation to, uh, to help enable them to make better decisions for maintaining their roadways. So part of that is integrating you know, really cool new technologies into the vehicles to collect the best data that we can. Uh, so I, I've been involved with that all the way from the, the ground up, building out yeah. vehicles with some of the latest technologies, as well as uh, communicating uh, and advocating for Manly Communications. And, and for uh, lately, since the designation, working with Peter Rafferty here and, and, and Rob to uh, help set some good, good milestones and goals and build a nice framework for um, moving the, the Proving Grounds forward. All right, thanks, Eric. And that leaves uh, Rob there. Yeah, hi. Thanks for having us, Dave. Um, so I wear two hats, uh, both the communications director, policy communications director for Manly Communications, and uh, the president of GTIMA, uh, our trade association. So Manly uh, Communication is a founding member of GTIMA, and we're based out of D.C. We focus on three areas, uh, but all basically around uh, infrastructure mapping, geospatial mapping. And our three key areas are smart infrastructure uh, and uh, autonomous vehicles, which really brings us here today, and then smart city infrastructure Mm -hmm. mapping. And uh, so, yeah, this is terrific. And we, of course, uh, as soon as we saw the uh, that Peter had uh, secured the designation for uh, Wisconsin in terms of this proving ground, 
we were very excited to, to get involved, yeah. both Manly and GTIMA, and, and help Peter uh, set this, this, this operation up. So what did it take to get the Wisconsin AV Proving Ground designation? That's a good question. What I think was happening is the U.S. DOT, Department of Transportation, saw such a variety of things going on, uh, both uh, especially in the private sector and automakers out there doing different types of testings on um, public roads and test tracks, and they were just not seeing any uh, sort of coordination from the research and development type of uh, uh, in the more public sphere and the connection between the industry and the government where uh, organizations like ours can be involved in that middle ground and, and also uh, wanting to be able to share some best practices in the testing and certification and validation of these systems because the implications are really incredible uh, uh, on, on public safety. <clears throat> so what they did is they issued a solicitation late 2016 for groups to become part of uh, this Proving Grounds virtual network. And uh, there are some very prominent ones out there, in particular Michigan. Yeah. Uh, Texas has a lot of activity. Uh, Northern California has uh, Gomentum Station, and Contra Costa County is a very prominent one as well. Uh, so th they were pretty certain to be part of this. And uh, we here in Wisconsin knew we had enough different things going on, even if it wasn't uh, at that magnitude of some of these others, that we could really have a, a good role to play and really fill some certain niches. So we put together this team, which included uh, UW-Madison, uh, primarily College of Engineering, but also computer science. Uh, the city of Madison has been a very good partner and supporter throughout all of this. And then we also included the MGA research uh, um, facility down by Burlington, Wisconsin, which is a 400-acre uh, uh, automotive proving grounds that has been operating under MGA for a few decades now, and they, they do a lot of work with the industry already. So they were a really key partner in this. And we had some others involved as well. Uh, and then uh, right in the middle of January, at the end of the last administration, they announced the, uh, the selection of these 10 organizations oh, okay. to be part of that. So two in California, there's Wisconsin, Iowa, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, Florida, North Carolina, Texas, I mentioned, and then the uh, U.S. Army's Aberdeen uh, gotcha. Proving Grounds. Um, okay. I don't know if that adds up to 10 or not. but It's close enough. Yeah. 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 No one's <laughs> counting. Right. Well, you guys seem to do a pretty good job because I interviewed a couple of weeks ago somebody from BMW iVentures, and he's like, you know, I think Madison's, like, Wisconsin's pretty hospitable or, you know, they're pretty accepting to the autonomous vehicles. So mm -hmm. whatever you're doing is getting out there. So uh. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we definitely want to have them here. Yeah. Um, all right, so usually I wait, so this is probably like my fourth or fifth kind of autonomous vehicle related interview, and usually I wait till the end to ask this question, but I'm gonna ask at the beginning. It's kind of a general, like, what I always ask, when can I get myself, this is kind of a general, I'm sure you guys are very annoyed with this question, but I'm always curious what people say. I can tell you what other people have said. Um, when are we gonna get myself driving taxi fleet in, uh, in mass and fully autonomous? If you guys had a guess, I mean, would you, you guys think, you're in the position to make a guess. I can guess. So, <laughs> what would you guys? What do you? What do you guys say? <laughs> I'll put you on the spot. Well, you know, I, I think it's a that's a tough question because there's there's really kind of and what's this is essentially how we've set up the proving ground. Is yeah. There's three variables that you have to consider when you ask that question, and that's uh, how safe is the technology, right? There's, yeah. So there's there are going to be cars um, that are that are running on these streets that are presumably autonomous and that's yep. that's a technology stack that we need to make sure is safe uh, then you also have to make sure that the infrastructure supports the car there's 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 an interaction between the car and the infrastructure and then there have to be rules right there's got to be you know the government's going to have to pass some legislation there's going to have to be a legal framework right so when so <laughs> so when you ask that question i kind of start thinking about this in in terms of well yeah, it seems that at this point we've got some technology that is ready, yeah. right? Uh, our infrastructure is, 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 I think, probably the bigger issue that, that you know, experts, at least that I'm uh, aware of, are, are saying that the, the, the infrastructure of today won't support the cars of tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's really a 30, 40, 50, 60 year kind of uh, effort. You know, it's, yep. it takes time to build infrastructure. 
And, um, and then the legal framework, boy, I, I think that, that what you're seeing right now across the country, frankly across the, much of the world, but, but certainly here in the United States, is, is the government is, is, is pumping the brakes on passing regulations here. They don't want to crush, kill the industry. Uh, and, or at least, you know, stymie it. Yeah. And so uh, if you're looking for a number, I'll just shoot it out there. I'll say 37 years. My. 37 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. But, but I, I, hopefully you see the complexity of the question. Yeah, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. All right. Yeah, my answer to that would be similar as in <laughs> it, it depends. Yeah, it depends, uh, right. Are you talking about a level five fully autonomous vehicle uh, that's, uh, you know, there's, there's no yeah. wheel and, and pedals okay. and uh, it's able to, uh, you're able to tell it to go pick up your kid from yeah, school yeah. and it can get out of your driveway through the neighborhood through the construction zone and in winter, yeah. right? And through yeah. the pedestrians, there, there are so many different variables. Uh, that, that's something that is, is longer, uh, is farther yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. You know, we will certainly see, uh, just to interject, the, these levels of autonomy yeah. from the Society of Automotive Engineers is an important framework to keep in mind from zero to five, where five is fully autonomous. There's the, the level one driver assistance, level two partial automation, and then level three conditional. Level four is, is high automation, and then level five is full. And in, so on highways, we already have level two partial automated vehicles operating, but it really only works in nice conditions. I think we'll see some incremental increases through that. There's certainly big, big questions that we have as a proving grounds and how the uh, uh, distracted driving problem might fare as we take over more mm. of the driving task from that system and, and possibly inviting increasing uh, distraction and how do you get the driver re-engaged? So big questions navigating that. But a lot of automakers are jumping to level four uh, and we have some of these minibuses, uh, high automated mm -hmm. minibuses uh, operating in certain places in the U.S. now. And uh, you know, I could imagine those operating here, you know, in a much shorter term, yeah. five years. You know, have yeah. those in in uh, you know in service. Yeah. And that's a level four vehicle, but it, it's a it's a specific application of it. Yeah. And right, in a, in a specific geographic region with a specific route, <laughs> a little mm -hmm. easier than a fully autonomous. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's go on to the Wisconsin uh, AV proving ground. Can you uh, share a little bit? what that means exactly and what you're shooting for, what do you want to do, and yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, so the way we have it structured is with that the collection of partners that I mentioned, and then we also have uh, Manly involved in, in Roadview uh, uh, as well, and, um, and GTMA. And the, uh, so first of all, on the facilities themselves, uh, folks like Manley and Roadview do, in our um, mechanical engineering group, do quite a lot of simulation work. Okay. And there are plenty of things that can be tested and worked out in simulated environments. There's a good recognition in the industry that that's a very important part of validating autonomous systems in that simulated environment. From there, there may be things that want to be tried out uh, in, in the real world but may not be safe for interacting with the public and that sort of thing could go to the MGA test track, which is private, secure, remote. M MGA? MGA. What's that stand for? Uh, it's uh, the initials of three founders okay, uh, of gotcha. the company. Okay. Yeah, and they, they, are, they have a dozen or so facilities, oh, really? mostly okay. in the U.S. Okay. Um, uh, that's that 400 acre gotcha. uh, yep, uh, yep. automotive proving ground. So that'd be a place to try something like that. And then from there, you can go to a corporate campus uh, we have a couple of different corporations that have private roads here. Uh, the reason for that uh, th is being part of this is there may be vehicles that could be operated on private roads that may not yet be legal on public roads, such as those uh, without steering wheels. So far, we're working on the legislation <laughs> part. And then we have our, our own UW campus and City of Madison, really, really strong partners in this, and then eventually uh, you know, all public roads. So that's the sort of the hierarchy of some facilities, gotcha. if you think of it that way. Now, organizationally, we've uh, 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 focused on three different program areas. One is on the AV technologies themselves, uh, the, the automotive systems, the software, the, uh, um, the, the sensors, uh, you know, that collection of things. Uh, the, the second is the uh, AV infrastructure, 
and that's where we come in with base mapping and I want Eric to uh, talk yeah, more yeah. about that uh, base mapping and then also the connectivity to uh, infrastructure the like uh, traffic signal uh, yeah. you know how, how, how do automated vehicles navigate those situations and then uh, the uh, the third one is uh, AV governance and that's the rules the regulations and also getting at things like public acceptance uh, uh, public education and, and uh, how, what are the implications on land use even, or on uh, you know, parking structure facilitation and, and those types of uh, those issues. And on that last one, I want to make sure that folks are aware that here in Wisconsin, we are definitely one of those states in a regulatory gray area. We don't have anything in legislation really, or in statute expressly uh, prohibiting these, but nor do we have anything uh, expressly allowing certain types of automated vehicles. So the governor just a month or so ago, a couple months ago, issued an executive order to create a steering committee on connected and automated vehicles where we'll get together over the course of one year and <clears throat> do that deep dive into the statutes, laws, rules, regulations that will affect these. And that's uh, notwithstanding any uh, federal uh, legislation that may come down that could potentially preempt certain things that states would do, and that's okay. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, and and uh, where is where you are, where are you with the Wisconsin Navy Proving Ground now? Um, you know, obviously Michigan's doing a lot. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, what what are you trying to do now? Are you, trying to raise money or mm -hmm. what kind of what, what state are in yeah so the number of the projects that we had done already or are ongoing uh, are, are funded through a variety of different okay. resources but the uh, a unique thing about our proving grounds is that we don't have state support okay. uh, you know in any significant way like the uh, uh, Michigan yeah. tens of millions in, in Northern California has uh, some operating funds and they you know they're they're well advanced well ahead of us so yes we're uh, still working on some of the funding uh, things yeah. and really engaging private industry, but there are certain uh, very specific projects that we're um, that, that we're focusing on <clears throat> that we're ongoing already. Uh, and Eric, maybe you want to jump in on, on some of this stuff here. Sure. Uh, but then we um, uh, so, but but yeah. Let me also add that. So with all this stuff going on. When we got the designation in January, you know, all ten of us, it didn't come with any additional funding. Yeah. And but that doesn't mean it doesn't have a lot of value for yeah. us. It has really catalyzed a lot of energy uh, and brought a lot of people together. So it's been very active, and, and the momentum's really exploded here uh, just because of this recognition. So we're very, very grateful for that. Gotcha. So it sounds like you guys kind of, which makes a lot of sense, focusing maybe on you know more of the infrastructure type of instead of like actual let's say sensors on the cars and like those algorithms i mean is that mm -hmm. would you say other like michigan might be more focused on well mm -hmm. they're probably focused on everything but mm -hmm. um yeah no yeah you're right yeah. yeah michigan's got so much activity with the automotive industry yeah you know, so yeah, the yeah. vehicles themselves and then northern california so much software development out there silicon valleys and we're, we're not going to compete with that but no. there are so many other issues in this complex uh landscape of automation uh, that there's there's it's, it's almost as though there's just plenty of work and things to figure out yeah to go around all right so let's talk about some of those so maybe uh let's talk about we'll talk about hopefully research going on at uw Madison what's going on in the city of Madison and then also Mandy so maybe let's talk about Mandy and uh who wants to give an overview on uh, what you guys do here well maybe I can take it from there uh, yeah. and add yeah. on to what Peter yeah. said um so, so you know, you know, part of what I know Rob and I and Peter have been doing is is, is a lot of outreach, is a lot of connecting with people in the area. Um, as you said, not necessarily a lot of funding, um, although there are some interesting opportunities for partnering up for for some really interesting grants or, or other funding sources that that we have talked about. Uh, so we may do that, but um, you know, but I feel like a, a big chunk of uh, what I've been trying to do is is to uh, help align. Um, what are like mutually beneficial kind of value propositions for, for private industry with the Proving Grounds. So um, as well as find out what programs are available that are ongoing that we can leverage. So we've got some pretty interesting ones going on. Um, and from a Manly perspective, we're, um, I would say we're kind of uh, uniquely positioned uh, to, to provide some enabling technologies, things like 
the base mat, things like, you know, which is just a word that, you know, lots of people have probably yeah. heard, but you know what exactly it is. Um, you know, everybody's probably pretty familiar with things like Google maps and, uh, and Apple maps and you can, you know, you can see a map. Um, it's kind of like that, but a lot more information and, and a lot more detailed and lots of big concerns. But, um, but, but ultimately I think from a proving ground perspective, I'm trying to, uh, target, uh, bringing a good group of people to the to the table to be able to um, get that number down from 37 to you know years down to oh, right. you know <laughs> something a lot smaller. So so we focus on safety and um, so some of the initial targets that we've got are things related to um, making intersections safe more uh, safe to to uh, for vehicles to navigate. Um, that's a pretty big. Uh, target. That's also one of the, you know, if you think in terms of where automated vehicles today are able to actually go and yeah. drive themselves, one of the biggest uh, roadblocks is uh, the ability to safely navigate intersections. Yeah. You know, if you imagine on the interstate, there's really, I mean, you have other vehicles and some other things, but, um, but, but traffic signals throw a, a real, you know, kind of big wrench into to some of the safety concerns. So, um, so in Madison, we've got some ongoing efforts that were kind of uh, that were that have been around from the connected vehicle discussions okay. uh, about traffic signals being able to communicate, you know, with the autonomous vehicles. Uh, and so there are lots of interesting there. There's a lot of interesting research going on there. There are some actual work uh, in the city of Madison that uh, with getting some intersections. I don't know what a great term for it is, but uh, enabled um, okay. to be able to communicate specific well, information what's that entail what would a, a fully well i don't know a fully uh, equipped intersection look like sure <laughs> well there's a lot of stuff and i yeah. you know I, you know peter and rob may may be able yeah. to add some more than i can but uh you know a simple a simple way to imagine it would be um you know a vehicle is approaching an intersection um, and as it approaches that intersection and gets within a certain range all of a sudden it can receive information yeah. um, so the type of information it might be receiving uh, could be information about the state of the traffic signals. Um, you know what what color you know what color are they now? When are they going to change? Um, uh, they they also may receive a uh, an example map. You know from the intersection. So the intersection might say, "Hey, here's the map for me, and here's how you can take the signal information and, and associate it with the the lane, and and from there you can figure out how to navigate that intersection." Um, there, there is an ISO standard out there, uh, and there's some other standards that uh, help define, you know, what 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 information is included in that message. Um, and those are kind of the easy easy modes. Yeah. Um, the other thing, uh, which is kind of a more interesting slash more more challenging uh, thing to imagine, are are days where um, an, an ambulance, for example, might want to request priority. Uh, might say, hey, I'm coming up to an intersection yeah. and I want to say, Never thought that. hey, intersection, uh, I would, I really need to get through, yeah. I need, need to get through you. And the intersection says, okay, okay. and Stop shuts everybody else yeah. down. Yeah. Um, so, so we're not quite there yet. Yeah. I know that is a focus. Uh, it is a, a big focus of the ongoing activities for the connected vehicles okay. in Madison. Um, uh, but part of uh, Manley's unique positioning is, is related to uh, actually do providing the maps. So we have, a, a, I guess, a strong upside if our maps are compatible with the intersections. There's lots of other, uh, other um, re related information that, that uh, the autonomous vehicles may very much want to know um, to be able to not just navigate that one intersection, but what is the best path to get where I want yeah, to go, yeah, yeah. where I know all the intersections are working, and um, so, yeah. yeah. A quick side question: I've always wanted this on traffic lights. Are, is there like a schedule for all the traffic traffic lights in Madison? Like, could you like upload this to a car and they just know every traffic light, or is it not that uh, not that easy? It uh, that would be possible. Uh, okay. It uh, or it's something that would be available in real time, even uh, right now. So, right. Sure. Okay. Technically. Okay. Uh, I don't think that would be done though. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just such a dynamic system, uh, and this is very common uh, for all kinds of cities. Uh, there, there may be some signals that operate on a, a fixed schedule. You know, maybe maybe change by time of day. Uh, others are uh, responding to the traffic detection at the intersection. Or, or on the cross streets, and then others are 
working in concert with neighboring signals on a corridor so you have better progression of those platoons of vehicles going along and then they're there they're, you know the new uh, more state-of-the-art is, is something that's very adaptive both in terms of that progression and what the demand currently is and it's just a much more fluid flexible yeah and, it's, um, and that 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 is something the city has uh uh, down, I think, um, you know, in the Verona Road corridor. Really? Uh, yeah, um, County PD. Yeah, so yeah. They're, they're doing some things around here, for sure, in the, the state of Wisconsin as well. We'll, so, we'll adjust traffic lights based on the volume? Right. Really? Yeah, Real based on the demand yeah. and, the, and the, the queuing and the delays and things. So, and, and all of that is, it's happening in, in its own software, but it's also available yeah, uh, to yeah, be broadcast. Yeah. Uh, either by you know system wide, but the approach we're taking is doing it uh, on a uh, you know from each individual node, yeah. each individual signal, so that the vehicles uh, can um, uh, operate uh, or vehicles can take in these messages that Eric just described, yeah. and then once we have that the the, the the radios installed and we're broadcasting these messages and they can be received, then we turn to the application side and how how do they navigate that? How can they progress through a series of signals by uh, adjusting their speed so that you reduce fuel consumption, yeah, yeah. giving I, priority, and, and, and then so on and so on and so on. There's, yeah. there's 100 different applications. Yeah, you know, and I just want to piggyback some of this. I, I think this is actually, this program does make the proving ground uh, fairly unique. The problem that we're trying to solve ultimately is that, that according to traffic statistics, 25 to 45 percent of all accidents happen in intersections, mm -hmm. right? Despite the fact that these intersections are really only a small yeah. percentage of the, the road, road yeah. right? And, uh, and, and when you think about it, again, according to some statistics, there's over 300,000 uh, signalized, in other words, traffic intersections in the country. And I think in Madison, there's, there's a little over 300. Um, don't quote me on that one necessarily, <laughs> but the point is, is that figuring out how these these cars will navigate the signalized intersection, yeah, in other words, the traffic intersection, is is a is an important problem to solve. <laughs> and you have some crazy intersections too mm -hmm. in Mass, and we all know about that. And like, I don't know how a self-driving car will navigate this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have more? I have a following question for you guys on this. All right, so I was curious. Uh, uh, are you guys working on this like in simulations? And, and if you are, if you're not, either way, is I'm curious how you're coordinating because I'm sure there's people, parties working on this across the nation and the world. You know, like the intersection, well, let's just focus on the intersection problem right now. So everyone's maybe coming up with their own methods. How is that going to be combined into, you know, the truth? Or like, not the truth, but like the best practices. If you guys dealt with that at all, or, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, I guess uh, my, my two cents on that uh, real quickly is, is trying to align with, with what appear to be accepted standards that already exist uh, or, or um, uh, successful tests um, that, that people have already proven. Okay. It, it seems like a really good way um, to build on things. But, you know, you can be wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and again, as, as Peter mentioned, that there are so many, depending on, it depends, right, which problem you're trying to solve. Um, whether or not you know an existing best practice is actually a, 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 a viable uh, practice in, in the real world. So there, there's lots of details, but okay. you know, I'll let you, uh, maybe let you guys fill in more about that. And are you guys doing simulations with intersections now? Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you have many accidents in your simulations? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can certainly simulate those. Uh, okay. you, know, or, you know the conflicts anyway. The conflicts, and, and right? How how the software would, would respond to that and. Did you did you want to talk about the project you're working sure, on? Sure, sure. Yeah, I can't. Um, yeah, so so I guess also in line with some of the the, the real world uh, intersection, um, you know, that we're targeting. That there's also uh, you know I've been meeting uh, with the simulation based engineering laboratory out of UW Madison, okay. and uh, with, with with several of of the team members from that group and working towards uh, the ability to. Uh, actually simulate connected autonomous vehicles. So um, basically you can imagine what we're trying to do there is, is, is build a real world, build, build a, a, you know, a virtual world uh, that looks a lot like the, the, the same, um, you, you know, some real intersections in Madison okay. um, and, and provide them with the same kind of information that they would, uh, that the vehicles would have if they were driving in the real world. So, I mean, it's a, it's a simulator. So, 
um, you, you know, everything down to, to the, how the shocks in the vehicle work. Really? Um, wow. You know, how the tires respond to the road surface, mm-hmm. um, how uh, certain, some of the sensors of the vehicle actually function. So some of them shoot out light and they measure how much time it comes yeah. back. Uh, it takes for the light to bounce back. Um, so, so to that level of detail uh, about the physical world is being simulated. Mm-hmm. So it's a really interesting, uh, y- you know, test. Um, so, so uh, you know, there's some interesting ideas for um, for how to maybe in- inject some of the real world information or to capture it yeah. and then you know kind of shoot it into the into the simulation. Uh, the intersection is an example where if it's sending out a bunch of, of broadcast messages, well, we can save those for a day. Um, and, and then simulate those being broadcast in the simulated okay. world and, and test lots of different scenarios and see how stuff, stuff works. So, and, and this simulation software, would it be open source? I imagine like Google, yeah. Tesla, they all have their own probably private mm-hmm. Yeah, lots software. of different people. You know, it's interesting. I know Microsoft uh, and some other have, have also open sourced some of their own simulation environments. Okay. Um, not necessarily for, uh, you know, road vehicles, yeah. but... Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is open source. That's a kind of a core value, I think, of this group. They want it to be open That's source. Cool. They yeah. want it to be used. Mm-hmm. Um, part of what's cool about this environment is it's actually should be a shared environment uh, throughout throughout uh, the world, theoretically, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. so anybody could kind of plug into the environment and then test that yeah. they'd yeah. share kind of one reality, um, which is an interesting idea. Well, I would think mm-hmm. the better the simulation gets, the more. People you could attract Wisconsin too, because it's you know pay, piggyback on that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing not maybe not every proving ground has that. Maybe they do, but I don't know. Michigan probably does. But <laughs> mm-hmm. um, all right, so let, let's talk a little bit about the mapping, because that's kind of all related to infrastructure and mm-hmm. our core competency of here folks around the table here. Because um, so you know my perspective, I'm like oh you know like. Car goes around with the sensors, gets a lay of the, the land, they kind of understand where everything is. Plus, they have like you know um, precision GPS, so they can kind of co- you know kind of coordinate via that as well. But uh, it sounds like that's definitely not enough. And uh, I mean, that's a very novice view, I know. But <laughs> so I'm cu- I'm curious uh, what you guys are dealing to. Uh... Okay, yeah. So, uh, so so mapping is yeah um, is a really interesting and complex, and there's lots of details. And I'm, uh, I guess I'll avoid most of those. But two, <laughs> two of the uh, two of kind of the most important factors that I think that, that that Manly cares about, and I think also translate really well to to the proving grounds, are are really uh, safety and, and cost. Um, so, so let me start with safety. Um, if you think about uh, the the complexity of a vehicle driving down the road and trying to act like a human from the perspective that it's it's sensing the world, right? And it's trying to make sense of what's around there. There's there's a lot of state-of-the-art and cutting-edge um, technology and research being done in universities all over the world to try to try and make that process really reliable, yeah. right? So, so how well uh, machine learning, deep learning, um, computer vision, these are all terms that, you, you know, that you'd hear if you started digging around. Um, so, so part of our interest is, you know, in my interest for sure is, is getting less than 37 years, um, getting some of these on the road, uh, getting to public road testing. Uh, I think one of the, one of the great ways to, to pursue that is through more reliable input data in the form of a really nice base map, yeah. a really nice map that just, you know, helps the vehicle make sense of the world, um, you know, that, that can be used as a much more reliable uh, source of, of data for the vehicle and to make those and, decisions. And what's that, what would that base map look like from like the car perspective? Uh, that, that's a great question. Um, uh, you know, you can, you can imagine a simple version of the base map um, would look a lot like the real world would, except um, it would be simplified greatly. So it, it, instead of, uh, let's say, lane lines, you have a solid white stripe down one side of the road. Uh, to the vehicle, the base map would represent that as just a line you know, in, uh, you know, geospatial line. So that's very simple. Um, but you'd have one of those for each of the lines in the road. And then uh, you might also have things, uh, for example, where a, if, if a new lane is added to the road, you might uh, mark across the roadway that, hey, the, the road uh, geometry is different at this point, right? So you're kind of seeding the vehicle with yeah, knowledge yeah. that something changes here. Yeah. Um, 
that's really helpful from a processing perspective because the vehicle doesn't have to be constantly, you know, which it doesn't, you know, the machines don't really get tired per se, but it's not as though you're, <laughs> it's, it's better not to send the vehicle off into the wilderness. Yeah. Right. You, you send it, <laughs> you, you, you tell it what to expect and then it looks for anomalies or changes mm. from that. Yeah. The, the change detection is, a, is kind of a big, lot. Yeah, yeah. we talk about it a lot, but you know, if all the vehicle really needs to look for are differences, um, that's a lot less information to have to process. You know, another way of thinking about it is, is uh, I can't remember who told me this, but at one of the conferences I heard this, is, you, you know, when you drive through your neighborhood, you know the roads, you know the feel, and you're kind of on autopilot, and you're, you're really just waiting for a kid to jump out, you know, something, right? right. right? <laughs> and, and you're watching for that, and that's what you, we, we, we want to prepare the car, equip the car with, is it's familiar with the road, and it just, as, as, as Eric just said, you know, it's it's ready and able. Those sensors are re ready and able to detect change, yep. deviations from what it thinks it's it should be mm -hmm. uh, navigating. And well, would the mapping? Well, let's see. Would the mapping include like distances or how? Yeah. How would the how would the car understand? Because uh, it, uh, it'll have to be like. Yeah, I'm curious because like if you're in a if you're in a lane and you're two feet over from where a car's going to be, wouldn't that like mess up the entire map or? How does that work? Or yeah, no, I mean, it, it certainly wouldn't mess up the map. Um, you know, that's exactly the kind of situation. It's a really good, really good example of, uh, you know, if the, if the vehicle already had the map and knew the world, it was, you know, it was in its neighborhood and it yeah. knew where, yeah. you know, was essentially on autopilot, then and, and all, what it's focusing on are changes. So changes to the map would be like there is a vehicle right next to okay. me. Um, so, so it would already have knowledge of, of uh, what maneuvers it could take, which yeah. maneuvers are available to it. Um, which parts of the road are safe, uh, you know, or off of the road, you know, which is actually a, probably one of the big safety issues, even on interstates where highly autonomous vehicles seem like the, the, they might come the soonest or be available to yeah. us the soonest. Um, you know, what happens if you blow a tire? What happens if, a, if you have to make a quick maneuver? Well, is the shoulder safe? Can you drive on the side of the road? Um, is there a shoulder? Is, is there a shoulder? Yeah. Yeah. You know, longer term, is there a sign? Am I going to hit a signpost? You know, yeah. is there a guardrail? Stuff like that starts to be, you know, things that, that's just really nice to know um, in case of very quick maneuver. And you times. guys map signs too, right? You map it all. Yes, yeah. Manly uh, does, you know, we, we have a list of well over 100 different types of assets that we, we collect really? information about. We've been doing that for the state DOTs for a long oh. time. So, yes, yeah, so signs, guardrails. All the paint striping, um, medians, you know, things like that. You yeah. know, where 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 a car can cross the median, where it can't, uh, are really important things to know. Is there anything like crazy that you map? Probably not. You know, something that might be shocking to to a lot yeah. of people are, are uh, <laughs> mowable acres. The you know the, the amount of acres on the side of the road that need to be mowed. What? Oh, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Um, how do you do that? You just look for a growth. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, today That's... that one happens to be a, a, a custom, um, okay, not, only <laughs> semi-automated. So okay. it's actually okay. a, it's a difficult one to do. But, yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> um, but it's not one I would have thought of if I had, had thought about uh, mapping things. Interesting. All right. Um, and oh yeah, oh my other question was like, what about with rain and snow? Does the mapping have to change, or is it is it more the onboard sensors that are going to have to ch change for well, mapping? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I mean the, the map itself is it probably won't change. Okay, because yeah. yeah, yeah, but you're you're still talking about probably some combination in that world of the infrastructure. Hopefully, having some knowledge, the infrastructure yeah. might have temperature sensors or. Uh, you know, down the road a long ways might be yeah. able to say, hey, my surface is really wet or it's icy and be able to communicate that to the vehicles okay. or the vehicle sensors. And uh, I also expect the vehicle sensors are going to improve. Okay. So, and, and yeah. so in the, you know, the sensors include the, uh, the camera, the radar, LIDAR, and through the sensor fusion, there's, there's, there's good opportunity to figure out what's going on with the information you're getting back. And, you know, if LiDAR is reflecting off of something differently, but radar and camera still match up with your base map, you know, things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, you're right that with the, <clears throat> with the you know, say, you know, rain or glare ice, you know, certain sensors just are going to struggle yeah. with that. But, again, with the base map, that doesn't mean the vehicle is going to get lost. No, it, it'll right. still be able to navigate where it needs to go. The same is true if uh, there's some fresh snowfall obscuring all the pavement marking and those simply are available. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I mean, just to make sure that that point is nailed, you know, in the case of snow, you don't see the lines or even the sidewalk, the curb. Yeah, right. right. So that's that is one of the stronger arguments, the stronger case for the need of a base map. Yeah. Are there some car companies who are going without the base map or like going? I mean, everybody probably wants it, but they're like, oh, you know, we're we're gonna make our vehicles so autonomous, we don't care. Do you think there's a, do you guys know anybody doing that? <laughs> well, that? we naturally, because of our position in, the, in terms of mappers, yeah. we're, we're really only familiar, we're familiar yeah, with, with car companies right. that are using the <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I, you know, there is a, there is a kind of a, a great d- divide, a, the, the great debate, which is, you know, are cars just going to sense their way through the world or are they going to be connected and interacting with yeah. the infrastructure? And, uh, I, I'm sure there are technologists out there who, who and you know, f- working in car companies who, who believe that you know this car can sense its way through the world. It will yeah. not, you know, it it will it may not even need to interact with other cars. It will see it right, and and I think that that for at least you know for our part, uh, we at least and I speak for GTM and Manly Communications, not necessarily the university, but. We um, we're certainly of the school of thought that thinks that no cars probably aren't likely to sense their way through the world. <laughs> they will need to be interacting and interfacing with the infrastructure, and the base map is kind of a core yeah. component. It's the map is a is a sensor in a sense. It's your mm-hmm. longest range sensor, uh, in that you can. See, it's the sensor that allows you to see the farthest out into uh, on the on the route that you're on. Right. right? Well, in fact, those crazy intersections, there's a, there's no way some autonomous vehicles could like understand some intersections in mass. And in my opinion, <laughs> we're supposed to take a left. And well, you know, that's yeah. a good example where where you know. So Eric uh, earlier talked about how the car approaches the intersection, and presumably, the intersection will will send some information, a map of the intersection, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, a perfect example would be what if there's construction that morning, Yeah. right? right. So, yes, the car will be able to sense, it will see perhaps, right, in principle, it'll say, whoa, whoa, cones, truck in the way, hit the brakes, yeah. right? And, and in this case, it would, it would deactivate the autopilot um, yeah. system and, the, you know, in principle, send a signal to the drivers to say, hey, grab the steering wheel, yeah. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> right. But, you know, you get, you get a, a system that... Um, you know, in these these um, signal signalized intersections, where you know the city, uh, let's say if, if they're the ones responsible for sending that information to the car, they say, hey, well, we know we're going to close down, you know, the right lane today from you know four to to, to, yeah. to seven p.m. There's going to be workers out there. Well, then those uh, the, the cars as they come through will receive that information. Yeah. All right, three more questions on the mapping, and then a. Um, yeah, I know we're running out of time here. Maybe we'll go a little over if that's okay with you guys. But sure. um, so with the mapping, um, how often? You mentioned like construction. How often do you have to map a road really to keep it up to date in your experience? Like especially for self-driving cars, would you have to be there every week or every month? And it depends upon the road. But um, have you guys thought about that? At, at great length, yes. Uh, <laughs> too much. Uh, wait, yeah, this maybe is the first time I've ever thought about it. So gonna, <laughs> you guys can. Um, <laughs> well, I can tell you for, uh, today. I mean, um, you know, a pretty standard thing to say is, is that people are shooting for less than less than ninety days for for having a complete okay. overhaul of the base map. So, okay. so. Um, However, I think there are lots of other solutions. If you look at the industry and, and you look at some of the the big players that are out there in the mapping part of the industry. Um, what we expect is is true um, is that uh, the map will be updated um, in much shorter turnaround based on real information from the vehicles that are that are driving the roads um, so um, yeah so, so I mean the vehicles the autonomous vehicles ha- have some of the same kinds of sensors uh, they're they're, they're cutting edge sensors. They, they, they are part of the fleets of mapping vehicles that are out there already. Uh, good examples that are, that are common, uh, you know, the, the Google autonomous vehicles uh, have the big, you know, spinning LiDAR sensor on the top of them. Uh, that, that sensor is the same sensor that Manly Communications uh, started using many years ago to do mapping. So, um, so the vehicles that are out actually uh, driving these roads, navigating them, um, Will the expectation is that data and information will, in some form, be uh, used to update okay. the base layer? So, 
the hope is to get you know the turnaround time down to, to hours or minutes wow. long run. Okay. So you know the first vehicle that happens across the construction you know zone might actually provide that how, information and have it updated. And how's that, who's going to be like at the core kind of or, um, orchestrating all that yeah. between yeah. all the different. Uh, it's a great, yeah. great question. Yeah. That's an important question. We, we don't know how that's going to play out. So you, you're describing a type of crowdsourcing, but you're right. Uh, how is that going to be shared from one automaker to another? There are certain competitive disadvantages, perhaps, yeah. uh, that, that may be a concern with that. Uh, certain uh, maybe liability questions, if some, so there's some inaccuracy. Mm -hmm. you know, there, you know, there, there are a lot of interesting questions with that, oh. for sure. Uh, but nor would I expect me, you know, a big brother central government unit necessarily yeah, to so. do that. This is this is going to evolve uh, somehow, and yeah. I, I, I'm not sure how. Yeah. Well, you know, on this note, the the state of California in in is uh, they're in kind of the final throes of, of passing some regulations on on autonomous vehicles and testing. And one of the things they're mandating, and it, this may not play out, but yeah, it's right. certainly in the bill right now is the that the it will be mandatory that there will be a human at a center that will be able to pick up and drive the car right yeah and in other words what it what it is what it implies is that the car will be in constant communication with a data center the manufacturer's data center yeah. right so that's probably the basis for how this stuff is going to be shared and communicated is it at this point to test again you know just reiterated in California that car if it goes out on the road and is testing it has to be in constant communication with a person in, in at, a, at a data center so um, how this plays out in terms of the macro crowdsourcing yeah. and how all the data centers are working together <laughs> right. that's a whole nother story yeah um, but you could certainly conceive of a, situ a scenario in which a, a particular fleet of cars is detecting things on the road, sending information back to its data center, and then that information is getting pumped out to its fleet of cars. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is happening. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's happening already. Okay. But how it's shared across different fleets, we're not sure yet. Okay. But uh, and whether that that uh, data center or the operation center would be in, from an automaker or an operating company like Lyft or Uber or a Avis now is in a deal with Waymo. Oh yeah, I hear. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> you know that that that's going to be a very important part of that level four automation. Yeah. Once you get up to that point, there's no expectation that there's a, a human uh, ready to intervene if something goes awry. Gotcha. So if you're a passenger in one of those level four vehicles and it gets a flat tire, you would want somebody to communicate with you and help you out. Yeah. All right, um, two more questions. Uh, so will all autonomous vehicles need precision GPS to properly use the maps? Or uh, how will they know where they are on the road? Um, yeah, there, there's a there's a, a term that the industry yeah. uses. It's called localization. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, it is in a sense, in essence, an answer to what if I what if I don't have good GPS? Yeah. Um, uh, so the expectation is um, that the autonomous vehicles will be able to look at the world around yeah. them and then compare that to a I guess what we can call a localization map, which is not right. exactly the same thing, but. It's a, it's a view that they can, uh, it'll give them the ability to place themselves in the world, just like GPS. But, it, but it's, instead of being based off yeah, of satellites yeah. all over the right, place, right. it's based off of um, the ability for the vehicle to use its sensor data to, to place itself. Oh, so cool. it's kind of like your ability to look over and see Walgreens and say, hey, I'm in, I'm in, in Fish Hatch or whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah so, so those maps are go along with the base okay. maps as well. So, so that's one answer. That's an important point where uh, um, tunnels or urban canyons yeah. exist without extra equipment and yeah. on the you know in the infrastructure. Uh, the GPS is is hard hard to yeah. utilize. Uh, GPS can also be jammed. Quite easily, we were surprised. Surprisingly, it's not good. no, it's not. <laughs> I don't like to hear that. <laughs> like, like, you know, jammed in you know in uh, you know in isolated areas. Yeah, right, right, right. But still, somebody wanted to mess up an intersection and mm -hmm. with a bunch of yeah. AV vehicles. Yeah. Right. Well, because I mean, it's interesting. I interviewed a CTO from a C grid, and they have a autonomous forklift. 
but they pretty much just use like Peter Vision. Like they, just, yeah. you can just pop it down and they'll immediately map it out. And like they don't have hardly any like uh, like uh, lidar. They don't have lidar or anything. They just use a uh, computer vision. And, yeah, maybe. I think yeah, some of the robot vacuums have that as well, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, there, yeah. there are lots of cool answers, um, but and lots of neat technology out there. There, there are other um, companies that have other solutions like GPS. Okay. Um, you, you know that that might might be installed all over the city, yeah. in, in you know in every city for okay. to make sure that the GPS isn't a single source of, of failure, um, and it is pretty important. Yeah. So it, so the, there are many solutions. It's a big. It's a, definitely one of those challenges people are I think attacking on, on multiple fronts. And and how are the maps that you guys make different than like the ones that on the the Waymo cars that they're making their own maps, like you said, you know, like and so how are your maps different? Uh, the base map. How is that different than the, the maps being created? Well, that's that's a good question. I, I think one. I mean, one of the core focuses that, that I think we have is dry, is the cost. Um, okay. The, the, to produce them, I, I think one of the other major things that Manly does a little bit differently, or, or what uniquely positions yeah. Manly, uh, is that we've been using lidar, which is a very specific uh, type of sensor. Um, we've been using LiDAR data to produce our, our maps for state DOTs for, for many years. Um, I think we have more experience than, um, than, than any of the other How big name companies. Time? Well, we've been doing it uh, in production since 2008. Wow. Um, I believe that was our first project. Huh. Uh, and we've collected, um, I would say, you know, a half million miles of, wow. of LiDAR data. Um, but we have also Use that lidar data to process, you know, to process that data uh, and to produce the deliverables that we have been producing, which includes essentially producing base maps for these state DOTs for uh, since at least 2012. Wow! So, um, and we're talking down to millimeter accuracy, right? Well, that, I would say on the order of centimeters. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah some some of the sensor data we wow. used uh, is is at that accurate. Um, but yeah, I would say we, you know we're, our accuracy of the, of the information we deliver is on the order of centimeters. Wow. So it's it's quite good, um, and and so that's probably the big difference. I think a, a lot of what we've seen are, are people transitioning from using uh, pictures, uh, you know, imagery, just yeah. like Street View or yeah. other uh, imagery based systems, to trying to use something like lidar. So that's kind of uh, Manly's unique position. It's, we've been doing that for a long time. We're really good at it. We've got a lot of miles under our belts, yeah. and and, and the process at this point is is highly automated because we have okay. so much data to, to use in terms of our deep learning and systems. Sorry, throwing out some big words. Eric's going to correct me on how I use these, these terms, <laughs> but, but uh, automation has been a big part, yeah. of, uh, which is which is really our main cost driver in terms of reducing uh, the so, the cost per mile. So should a company, autonomous vehicle company, come to you to, well, you guys are probably are licensing some of the IP, like what you've all learned. You don't have to go in the lot. But anyways, yeah, hopefully, you're talk, hopefully they're talking to you. <laughs> well, Manly does have some IP, let me just say that. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, we are, we're doing some, yeah. We're doing, we're doing some work. We're doing we're working, Can you say all those clients that you're talking to now? I'm just kidding. Yeah. 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 No, we're, working, we're working with OEMs. And I was actually in yeah. car companies. And, okay. and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was going to say, I mean, the main difference between us and Google. Well, yeah. Google's map is, is optimized for their systems, and we're developing maps that are optimized for, for yeah, certain yeah, yeah. car companies. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. And uh, all right. So almost done. Um, I'm curious about you know, mass and what other, like you mentioned, like distracted driving or other projects. I, it, yeah. Maybe let's talk about one that. Uh, are you working with distract, distracted driving? Okay. Is there any others that you want to mention? We talk about because I have more questions on distracted driving. Oh, <laughs> Unless sure. you have other ones that are like even more interesting or what else <laughs> well, you work yeah. on? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, related to automated vehicles anyway. The uh, those the level two intermediate partial automation areas in the distracted yeah, driving yeah. issue. That's something that we could tackle with. A, we have a full scale driving simulator. Uh, a full-size Ford Fusion on the third floor mechanical engineering that has the, the, the big wraparound screen and you can get in that and it's got certain motion in it. And you can drive through these environments, uh, uh, these simulated environments, um, some of which are built with manly data. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and test out these things. And if, if the vehicle is programmed to, to steer and accelerate to accelerate on its own, navigate, uh, say at a level two or three, Say, say level three, where the driver doesn't 
uh, isn't expected to be actively monitoring the environment but needs to be ready. What is that lag in getting the driver re-engaged yeah. to the situation if the, your vehicle's coming up on a, a, a work zone in winter with a crash and a, a detour? You know, yeah, you yeah. can imagine these situations. Yeah. Uh, they're not that unusual and these vehicles are going to have to either figure it out or get those drivers re-engaged or skip those levels and get to level four uh, so that you can have uh, uh, the, the fallback, the safe fallback situation and maybe have a remote operator. What do you think uh, is going to happen? Pilot that situation. Will they skip to level four or do you think? Uh, still I think uh, I think a lot of them are, are, are planning on doing that. Okay. Yeah, the, and then um, level three may only be uh, allowed on certain uh, you know, geofence, okay. uh, highway environments, okay. for, for instance. There's a lot of ways to, to get around that. Uh, but there are some um, that, that do appear to be pushing this incremental uh, you know, creep up these levels, and we're, we're going to be watching to see what happens there. Because, like, how much time have you not, or with your simulations, uh, does a driver have to like wake up and respond? You know, like, is it like half a second, or I mean, it depends upon the circumstance. But uh, yeah, um, I mean, they obviously need some time. You right, know, like, can't give them a tenth of a second <laughs> to get back engaged. Right, but. Even radar doesn't see that far ahead in, no. term, in terms so of far in terms of seconds. So, so how many seconds too? If, if you're expecting to get to to wake wake somebody up and have yeah. them assess the situation, respond <laughs> within <laughs> four seconds, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, not not really. Is four seconds? Do you think how far radar can go out? Or uh, well, yeah, it varies on the speed. Yeah, yeah right, of the course. Yes, I yes. mean, there's yeah, there's a very long range yeah. radar, yeah. but you may not have that on the front of your vehicle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, it really depends on the situation. So that's, I said I say that just as an example. Uh, at, at UW, we also have a, a couple of uh, two two seater uh, uh, electric, um, more like the you know city vehicles called the Innova Dash okay. vehicles, and those are owned by our computer science department, okay. and they're using those to really uh, do quite a lot of development on connectivity between the vehicles and infrastructure through a variety of different networks and, and uh, communication protocols, including uh, connected vehicle DSRC radios. Uh, so th that's a type of vehicle we can use along Park Street to communicate with those, uh, uh, with those signals. Uh, the uh, Mechanical Engineering Automotive Center has a uh, Ford uh, Escape uh, okay. SUV that they just modified from gas to electric and will be have an opportunity to retrofit that with some uh, um, sensors and, and automated technologies uh, with that. So what type of sensors? And oh, the, like the LiDAR. LiDAR, radar, <laughs> camera, yeah, okay. yeah, the retrofit so, packages. You can't retrofit, yeah, or you wouldn't want to bother retrofitting some of the older vehicles that are okay. much more mechanical, but these uh, the newer computer-driven vehicles uh, are much more amenable to that. So who retrofits these vehicles at the EW? Sounds uh, cool. I'd like to. It's something I, I, it's something I, student groups can right. do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like down. We get some awesome <laughs> corporate sponsorship for that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure these guys could probably help. At least. <laughs> um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah keep going. Okay. Yeah. Anything else or? Uh, uh, no. Good. All right. Wow. Good. Well, no. I mean, we're almost done, so okay. I, I didn't want to. be if you have more, I, mean, I could talk about this stuff all day. But uh, <laughs> at some point, the audience will get bored. So uh, we should probably stop, but <laughs> right, thank you. yeah. Any other uh, tidbits or anything else that I'm like, oh, Dave should ask this. This is really interesting. No pressure. If there's nothing, I might, I might have asked everything. No. <laughs> um, you know, what I say for, you know, especially if there's some general listeners out there, don't expect that five years from now, we're going to have massive amounts of highly automated vehicles riding around our, our uh, <laughs> but 37, 37 years. 37, hold yeah. me to that number. Yeah. <laughs> Sometime between five and 37. 37 yes. <laughs> and if I did my math right, I think we're 45 years from the Jetsons. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, is that one? So, so, so we're talking of that's, you know, I think the only difference there is that uh, George was actually piloting it, and they they will be on time. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Well, and they had a lot of the, um, you know, personal drones, which that almost seems like an easier problem to me to have like your personal aircraft drone, just because you don't have to deal with all these issues on the ground that you guys have to deal with. Mm -hmm. You just go up and come back down. Too bad it just costs a lot, but. Um, well, that's a good point. I, I think I, the only other point. It's not really a question, um, but the what, there's some real. 
um, some, some really great benefits, you know, that, that, that we're looking at. The, there's a potentially huge industry. I think uh, I think Intel last put it around seven trillion dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in a couple of different different buckets, um, but but the upside for you know for society is huge. There's some oh, yeah. really yeah. really cool stuff that I think we can get out of. You know, just uh, you know the traffic congestion stuff, the 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 safety, the you know the not losing lives, oh, yeah. um, the the being a lot more efficient. I mean, there's such a huge economic upside to you know having efficient routing, to having you know people be able to spend time how they they want to instead of having to drive everywhere yeah. that they need to get to. So, I think it's a really important point to kind of frame this whole discussion that even if it is going to be 37.2 years. Um, It'll change the world. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll change the world. It's going to be a big deal. Um, and it's going to improve things significantly, I think. So. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait. But no, I mean, that's a good way to end it, is that this is, uh, I mean, it sounds cool and the technology is cool, but yeah, I mean, it'll change, you know, what, 30,000 people die a year in the U.S. from traffic accidents, and hopefully that's reduced a lot, and it's a lot of free time, and, and you can party and still make your trip while you're driving maybe, and that's kind of <laughs> side benefit, but all right. Um, well, that's a good wrap up. Thanks guys, really appreciate your time. And uh, I definitely learned a lot and it's fun to hear what's going on in Wisconsin because I love Wisconsin. And so I'm always a, I'm always a big cheerleader. So hopefully uh, you guys can continue to push this forward and make it 37 years turn into like 10. So then my daughter doesn't have to drive. Ever. You don't have to worry about drunk drivers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, right. Um, yeah, be a good thing for Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, all right. So, uh, yeah, thanks, guys. And thanks, everyone, for listening to that episode of Flyover Labs. As always, I greatly appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone.